Welcome into 20th and Blake here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman, and I am excited to be talking Colorado Rockies baseball with you today, though of course there is a little bit of sadness in my heart. For anyone who knows me and knows me well and has followed my coverage of the Colorado Rockies for the past, this will be my 10th season now doing this. Yeah, you know that I've always had a proclivity toward the player Rymal Tapia and toward the player type of Rymal Tapia, a dying breed in the game. Only a handful of these slappy hitter, run the bases fast guys left, and uh, I've always liked that type. Those of you that know that my favorite player of all time for the Colorado Rockies is Juan Pierre. Kenny Lofton belongs in the Hall of Fame. I could go on and on and on, right? But as I'd been talking about in the last podcast I recorded, the, the writing had been on the wall here for Raimal Tapia, even after they picked up his contract in arbitration, that that signaled that they knew he had value, that they weren't just going to cut him over $3 million because the guy has proven that he can do some things at the big league level. But it's also the fact that they need offense, they need to hit, and, and he didn't have a defensive fit. The second Chris Bryant was signed to play, and, and we knew he was going to play left field. I know a lot of the national media was like, third baseman, but all of us locally knew this guy's going to be an outfielder. And I started doing the math right away. I went, yeah, unless they've had a complete change of heart about playing Raimel Tapia in center field, and I knew that they did not like that idea, and I understand why. He, he makes some bad decisions in the outfield, despite the fact that he was a very good defender and left last year you kind of can only play him in left, and you all saw the news. They've got a new left fielder. And so while I'm a bit bummed as somebody who followed this guy's career from rookie ball out in Grand Junction, I've seen him go on multiple ridiculous hot streaks with the bat. I could rattle off a million Rymal Tapia stats, and you probably all have heard most of them before, right? And it's also kind of funny, those of you that are in my Discord channel know that we were just talking about how much I really love that Blue Jays team and how I think they're a ton of fun, and they're going to be one of the most fun teams in the American League, and you got guys like Bo Bichette and Vladdy Jr., and oh, it's such a cool team, man. And now they pick up this guy, and it's like, they're just going to be a whole lot of fun. I hope he gets the chance to play. I hope he gets some regular at bats i i do hope it's one of those moves where people end up going man how did the rockies let that guy get away i still believe that he's got batting title potential for whatever that means to you in the modern age of the game of baseball if given the opportunity to really let his bat grow uh, i think he can do some fun and and special things and given the return that the rockies got for him uh it's it's actually pretty solid you know it's a little bit straight there's there's not a pitcher in here so we'll talk about that for in in just a minute i want to talk about randall gritchick but for now just you know thanks tap for all the fun over the years i really did talk like talking to the guy obviously almost always through a a translator i really appreciate professional athletes who can be successful doing things that are unusual doing stuff that i'm sure hundreds of coaches over the years have told him stop doing that don't play the game that way but you know what the guy just got three million dollars in arbitration he's going to a team that's probably going to the postseason they gave up a a couple of decent players to get him and yeah they saved some money did the blue jays a little bit here as well but you know I, i think this may be one of those it's best for all parties involved unfortunately i never felt like the rockies gave Tapia fair opportunities early in his career or they never believed in him quite enough and there's always that 
it's a chicken or the egg thing, man. If you, you want a guy to be able to prove and, and, and develop and get better at certain things, but then you don't give him regular opportunities. And some of that's because you're trying to compete. And that's really what this move ultimately is. Like you can see in the two different types of players here, right? Where Toppy is a guy who's still got a lot of stuff that he needs to figure out. And Gritchick is just a guy who is what he is. And, and he's been this for quite some time, right? He's gotten over 400 at bats uh, every year since 2016. He's basically been a league average hitter with the one exception of 2018 where he was solidly above. The rest of the time he hovers right around, but with power and with dependable, capable outfield defense. He's always been an above average war guy. Uh, he's never put up a, def- uh, a negative war according to fan graphs anyway. Uh, you know, and his defensive runs saved are pretty good across the board. They weren't fantastic in center field last year. So, you know, that's going to be one of these questions is, does he play center now for the Rockies? Is he going to play right? What happens with Hilliard and Hampson and Connor Joe? But Randall Gritchick is making $9.3 million. He's hit over 20 home runs like every single year of his career, you know, strikes out in the low 20s, right right around league average, uh, you know, for his career, it's at 26. Last year, though, it was 20. So the strikeouts aren't humongous, you know, and he's 22 home runs, 31 home runs in 2019, but not a lot of on base here either. The guy's not walking a ton. Uh, in fact, he's got an on base of 293 for his career. It was 281 last year. He hit 22 home runs, but uh, batting average of 241, on base of 281 so basically you're instead of having a guy who you know doesn't have good on base numbers but has contact all the time you're getting a guy who doesn't have good on base numbers but is at least going to hit some home runs which clearly was a big thing that the Rockies targeted this offseason they were laughably bad in the power department the last couple of years and they're going to be much better now with Gritchick and Bryant getting regular at bats you know if, if you boil it all down to just wins above replacement Tapia did have the better year last year at the win above where despite the home runs and all of that and, and better defense presumably yeah you know Gritchick was only about a, a half a win and that's what he's been worth his last couple of full seasons so you know, it, it is interesting here. The Rockies, unless there are, uh, I think actually they, they said that Toronto is sending along a, a bit of cash. So I'll have to learn a bit about that and see how those numbers come out. As far as the base contracts, the Rockies did pick up the bigger one. So this might count as a little more technically offseason spending. Uh, again, we'll see how those numbers come out. And before I forget, I want to note that the Rockies picked up uh, a prospect I haven't heard of and going to have to learn about. A young guy who's only got numbers out of the Dominican League. A 19-year-old second baseman who's 5'6", 156. But he raked last year, for whatever it's worth, at age 18 in 54 games, 224 plate appearances. He hit 360 and on-based 486. So, as a WRC plus of 185. So, I mean, he's in the DSL. He's 19 years old. What do you know? But it's a thing. Uh, it's another thing to at least remember came along with this deal. So ultimately, I, I think this was a deal of fit. You know, if Tapia, if you don't trust him to play center field, and I totally understand it, and right field at Coors is, is a monster beast. It's a problem. Like if you don't, particularly for the type of mistakes that Rymal Tapia is inclined to make, not playing the ball well off of the wall. It's a very tricky wall out there. The corner and right is very, very tricky. Uh, you know, and it's 
it's not more important that you hit your cutoff man in right field. It's like it's important that you hit your cutoff man regardless of the position that you're playing. But, you know, with the longer throws and all of this stuff, I totally understand why the Rockies thought the only place we can have this guy defensively is in left. And that's not a great place for a contact hitter. And now that you've got Chris Bryant, what does it all mean? So considering that, that they they probably felt that they've got this redundant player, more or less, on the roster, they did pretty well to get someone in Gritchick who I do think is going to be an everyday or, or, or most of the boys, Sam Hilliard and Connor Joe would really have to break out. But the Rockies legitimately do have a, a weird and interesting logjam here now in the outfield. And it, it, they want Charlie Blackman to play. I know they're going to force Charlie Blackman in, the, in at right field some to make him happy. And he still believes he can play it. And he does do all the little things in right field correct. So you're going to see sometimes where it's Bryant in left, Gritchick in center, Charlie in right. You know, and then you'll have uh, around your infield, McMahon, Iglesias, Rogers, Crone. That is that is a better lineup then I, I found the Rock, a much better lineup that I thought the Rockies were going to have this year. And again, as much as I miss the specific type of production and the way you can kind of squint at a guy like Raimal Toppy and go, oh, yeah, 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 his, his offense is worth more than you think. You don't really need to squint and, and look at the numbers and interpret them with Randall Gritchick. You can just kind of watch him hit some home runs, you know, e- even with... Uh, let's put it this way. Even with an 85 WRC plus last year, which is basically what Tapia was, right? He hit 22 home runs and he drove in 81 runs for Toronto. Because when you put the ball over the wall, you're, you're going to create some offense. And obviously hitting the ball into the air is going to do some nice things for you at Coors Field. So, you know, am I absolutely in love with the move? It's It's like... If this is what was on the table, I think it's a pretty good move. Uh, There had always been the talk of can you trade for... The thing the Rockies need the most is relief pitching, right? So that's the thing where it's like if they could have gotten whatever the Randall Gritchick equivalent of but a reliever, that would have been a better deal. That would have been something where I would have been on here going, you know, despite of all my feelings and stuff, I'd have been saying great move, had to do it, fantastic, absolute win for the Rockies. As it is now, like... They traded an outfielder for an outfielder where it was already a question of, you know, where's Garrett Hampson going to play? What does this mean for Sam Hilliard? Do they not believe in him? Or if he's going to be an everyday center fielder, does it move Sam Hilliard to right? Does Randall Randall Gritchick play right? What's interesting is that Gritchick was fantastic defensively in right field last year for the Blue Jays. He put, he put up six DRS in only 330 innings in right field, uh, but he wasn't as good in center. He was a negative two, which is okay, which, which is fine. And I'll be very, and look, Coors Field Center is, is a whole other beast. That is a whole other beast. And it'll be curious to see how he handles that. But a negative two in center versus a plus four in right. And in far fewer, I'm sorry, plus six in right. And in far fewer innings. So if you really want to get the best out of him defensively, if if defense is really what this is about, defense and power, then putting him in right might be your best option, which means that Charlie better get comfortable in the DH spot despite of everything he said publicly about not wanting to do it and look he'll be a team player he'll he'll do the thing that needs to be done absolutely he will but uh, maybe they're sending that message and but then what happens to Connor Joe you know because I don't think Connor Joe can play center 
So your other way is going to be to have Gritchick in center, Connor Joe in right, or Connor Joe, Sam Hilliard, platoon in right with Charlie Blackman as your primary DH. But I, I don't see any way out of this without making Charlie Blackman your primary DH. I don't, not at this point. Because this guy, it just the defensive numbers are there that you've got to at least see if he can help your pitchers out at Coors Field. And the power numbers are there that you've got to have him in the lineup semi-regularly. Like, I don't think it makes sense, unless there's something about his legs that I don't know, to have Gritchick DH, right? And he's got to play at $9.3 million. Rockies did not just make this move to to... Unless they're going to swing another move, this guy's not going to be your fourth outfielder by any means. None of Hilliard, Hampson, Joe, uh, who am I leaving out? Like I, was, I guess it had been four because it was Tapia, but he, but he's out now. But none of those guys have the resumes that, that are going to bump him. So here it is. There, there you have it. Uh, I'm a little bit surprised, uh, again, at the nature of the move. I'm not surprised the Rockies traded Rymal Tapia because it was just tough to figure out where he fit even as I was coming up with lineups in there, you know, I was sticking them in there and people were being like, you're kind of trying to shoehorn Tapia into this thing by having him in center field. I was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> I know I am. And I think you would have maybe done okay as a fourth outfielder for the Rockies, as I said in the last podcast that I recorded. But hopefully this is better for Tapia. And I think it probably just because it's a better fit, will be better for the Rockies. They needed a guy who can play defensively in the outfield. They've got one. And they needed more pop in the lineup. And you go from a guy who's absolutely a single-digit home run hitter in Rymal Tapia to a guy who's hit over 20 every single year of his career. And you're bringing him out here to Coors Field. So it's it's hard. to You can't call this a bad move as much as there's a part of me that's... <laughs> That's <laughs> burning up inside, right? So, yeah, ultimately, those are my immediate thoughts on the move. Uh, I think I'm going to pause the podcast here and open it up to Q&A now. All right, through the magic of uh, very, very basic editing, I'm back to finish the conversation. You know, it's interesting. One of these days, I may just actually record one of those full spaces and present it as a podcast. We'll see how all you feel about that. We'll see how the brain trust at Mile High Sports feels about that. But it was a good conversation that brought up a few extra things that I wanted to make sure that I got into before wrapping up the podcast. And so one of the things that we that became clear immediately as we started basically trying to look into what the lineup would look like is that the Rockies really don't have a lot of left-handed thump, a lot of scary left-handed bats. In fact, they don't have a lot of left-handed bats at all. That's the one thing that a loss of Rymel Tapia does uh, from an offensive standpoint that you maybe not think about, you know, Gritchick's going to hit more home runs, but he's going to make less contact, maybe even get on base slightly less. But when he does, it's going to be worth a lot more. So maybe offensively they balance out or maybe in a lineup where you're trying to live a little bit more by the home run. And I'll get back to that. You you like Gritchick better for your offense and that makes a ton of sense, but they are very right-handed heavy now. And it's going to be interesting to see, you know, they're not going to be able to have anything close to like a traditional National League lineup. And maybe they're full on embracing the DH coming to the National League and the the end of that ideology. And maybe we're going to see guys like Chris Bryant leading off, you know, Connor Joe, if he still has his on base and is like 117 kind of OPS plus that he had a year ago, then cool. You, You can you can do that, too. But 
there's no obvious like on base guy who doesn't also have some pop. Like you don't want Gritchick leading off because his on base is terrible. Unless that changes. He just doesn't, it's basically home run or extra base hit or really not much of anything from an offensive standpoint with him. And then you've got a lot of these guys who like CJ Crone, Brendan Rogers, Chris Bryant, maybe even Elias Diaz as potential power hitters in your lineup, but they're all righties. So who are the lefties that the Rockies have? They've got Charlie Blackman. They've got Ryan McMahon. Sam Hilliard is going to still figure into all of this somehow, though obviously his situation is a lot more gray now. He's he's in a toss-up. Basically now there's one outfield spot and I'm still not 100% sure whether Gritchick factors in primarily in right or in center. The numbers suggest that defensively, it's a much better idea to put him in right. So if you've got a center field battle between Hilliard, Hampson, but see Joe isn't going to play center field. And so maybe Gritchick moves over and plays center. If Joe is the guy who's having the best spring training or or season or wherever you you're deciding to make this lineup and so now you've got connor joe but again now you're very right-handed heavy right if if hilliard isn't starting then your starting lineup has only two lefties in it blackman and mcmahon and if hilliard is starting then your bench has no lefties on it well technically you've got dom nunez but he's your backup catcher and he's not a lefty off your bench That'll be an interesting wrinkle to this a little bit too because Dom Nunez will start sometimes. So there is another lefty where when he's in there, the lineup will have some. And if he blossoms as a hitter, that would really help also, obviously, in a number of ways. But they don't... And, and you know, Blackman and McMahon were both basically right around league average hitters last year. And even Hilliard, when he was at his best, he was a league average hitter last year. So they're... Big boppers, all the guys who I would say have a decent chance to be like, even not huge boppers, but 115 OPS plus and up, I would still put Blackman and McMahon in that category where no one would be shocked if they were above that number. But I still think the guys who are most likely to do it are Chris Bryant, CJ Crone, and Brendan Rogers. And then you're going to have to have Gritchick in your lineup, as we have talked about here. And like none of these guys are leadoff hitters, right? There just isn't one. So as a, a few people made the comment when we were doing the space in the Q&A, they're just going to have to go like, look, just put your four or five best hitters in the first couple of spots. And maybe don't care all that much about handedness or traditional, like get on base, move them over. None of that stuff. You just kind of got guys who are out there trying to hit. The ball over the wall and into the gaps. Extra base hit City. And you could think about leading off with Chris Bryant. Uh, you know, you can think about leading off with Brendan Rodgers sometimes. Uh, you know, I know Bud Black likes to have really set kind of lineups and, and, and roles for guys, but he might have to be more flexible this year just because of the makeup of the team and the, the way you can move certain guys around. But I think there's an opportunity here for the Colorado Rockies to do some very interesting things uh, with their lineup that all of a sudden is quite a bit different and the biggest way is the home run potential now you know you can boil stuff down to some of the numbers like ops plus and wrc plus and war and all of that but the fact of the matter is the colorado rockies had only three players hit over 20 home runs last year ryan mcmahon trevor story and cj crone and elias diaz was the fourth guy with 18 Right. And he's someone we haven't really talked about. Brendan Rodgers didn't play a full season, only got 100 games in. If you got 
a full season out of him, maybe he gives you 20 home runs. But now you're looking across the board. Grichik always hits 20 home runs now. Bryant should be a 30-plus home run guy. McMahon should be able to do it again. Crone should be able to do it again. You know, and, and now you've got this home run potential all up and down your lineup. And, you know, who knows what maybe a resurgence could mean for Charlie Blackman if he's DHing a bit more often, or if Connor Joe is for real, or if Sam Hilliard blossoms. He hit 14 last year in 81 games. So Sam Hilliard could absolutely be a 20 home run guy. You know, it's going to be fascinating for sure to see the Rockies go from a lineup that really struggled to hit the ball out of the park to one that should have a player at every single spot in the lineup except for shortstop who can take you deep. Jose Iglesias just isn't going to hit a lot of home runs and, uh, you know, he should have a decent batting average and he'll be like the one table setter guy who's probably going to hit ninth all year, you know, and fine. And the rest of them, are, it's going to be, you know, these guys, it's a lot of power. Um, you know, you'd like a little more on base out of a guy like Grichik, and so I still think he's got to be near the bottom of the lineup. But he does give you 20 home runs at the bottom of your lineup that you just didn't have before. You know, I think Diaz and Nunez combined are going to hit over 20 home runs. You're going to get 20 home runs out of your catcher spot, your first baseman, your second baseman, your third baseman, your left fielder, your other outfielder in Grichik, whichever spot that he plays. And so the last question is, you know, and if you go with Hilliard, then you've got a potential 20 home run guy at all of your, at every spot, but shortstop at every single spot, but shortstop after having only three of them last year. Now it obviously can't work out just exactly all that cleanly, right? Guys will have down years. Guys might get hurt. Things happen, but certainly the potential is there, but they don't have any lefties. And so there was a conversation about, could they go out and make it? We remembered that Scott Shebler is on the roster now. And with the 28 man roster, that could be interesting. He could be a guy that factors in uh, just to make sure they do have a guy who as, as he's a left-handed bat and he does have a 30 home run season under his belt. It was a while ago. He hasn't been healthy for a minute, but that signing certainly makes a lot more sense now in, in hindsight. Uh, now, now, especially now Toppy is not on the roster. I could see him being kind of the 28th guy there. And it especially makes sense if they're going to go the route of, and it seems like they are with these announcements like Ryan Valade going down Colton Welker, Ayla Harris Montero, Ryan Valade. They're probably not. And even if they could, earn a roster spot they're probably not going to be getting regular at bats now with the, especially now with the lineup being much closer to set with a bunch of veterans in there and so give them every day at bats down in triple a and put somebody like shebler who i'm not really a big believer in but at least as a left-handed bat with some pop where if he does find it at coors field or with uh, you know just being healthy or, or whatever it is for him that's interesting. I'd love to see the Rockies maybe go better than that. We talked in the Discord channel about Matt Beatty. We brought that up in the spaces as well. I think he's a guy who could probably get a starting gig out there somewhere there. He, he just got DFA'd by the Dodgers. He's got a great left-handed bat. Does all kinds of fantastic things. But he was like a, a 114 WRC plus last year. He, he's an above-average hitter. So I don't know that that's doable. Uh, I, I don't know that that's, uh, again, unless you maybe wanted to move some other pieces. If they're not done, you know, they're trading guys. They're they're moving some of these outfielders out and bringing a guy like that in. Then maybe there are puzzle pieces to fall into place, but I'm not sure that it works just to add a guy like that. Maybe it does. Uh, but as it stands, I, I think that's the, while the offense has clearly gotten better, 
uh, and, and absolutely gotten more power. The one thing you look at and go, man, is there's not a lot of lefties there. There's there's and there's no unless McMahon really bounces, uh, re- really proves himself and gets to that next step or, or Blackman really bounces back and uh, has that resurgence, then they don't have a scary lefty. I guess Hilliard could maybe be that guy too, but those are, those are your best bets and they're not, you know, they might just as easily kind of go the other way and, you, and your, your lefty power is not there for you. But other than that, Rockies lineup looking pretty good. Something that was interesting was that a Toronto fan and, and maybe a writer, I couldn't tell, so I, I don't want to disregard, but, but the person just jumped into the space, a person named Gavin uh, who'd been, uh, following Gritchick for a while and just wanted to let us know a couple of things mentioned, you know, the defense can be good, but it can be, you know, be shaky at times. There are a few other people who've given me some statistics suggesting that he's not a good defensive outfielder anymore. There's certainly a time when he was. Uh, and again, I looked at the number the DRS at the very least suggested he was okay in center and very good and right last year. And here's what I'll say about that. He's at least better than the options that the Rockies had. Um, as much as I love Rymal Tapia, he just wasn't going to be a good defensive center fielder at Coors Field. And so this is going to be he's, he's better than the alternative. But we'll we'll have to follow that defensive story and see uh, how well that does or doesn't work out. What he looks like at Coors Field. That may just be something we have to keep our eye on. Uh, he mentioned several times the guy's a team player, which I thought was an interesting phrase. But, uh, you know, it's good to hear that you got you got a good attitude guy that maybe if he's uh, going through some slumps, which is another thing that he talked about, uh, that he could be a bit of a streaky hitter. Uh, he seemed to suggest, you know, he goes cold in the second half. I, I think with things like that, you know, usually it just means the guy's streaky. Uh, sometimes it'll be first half, second half, month to month. Um, if it really is a first half, second half thing, so be it. You know, uh, the Rockies could use a hot start. And if he cools down in the second half, maybe that is a time where they're getting uh, more out of Sam Hilliard or Ryan Vallade, who's an outfielder now, or Garrett Hampson or Connor Joe, right? But having this kind of floor of a guy who should hit you 20 home runs and be a very professional outfielder who, even if he's not as good as he used to be, and even if he's not an elite outfielder, he's not going to make a lot of mistakes. He's not going to look lost out there. He knows how to play you know, a professional outfield. And it's very similar in that way to the philosophy they in bringing in Jose Iglesias, a shortstop, right? Is to just not cost you by having a guy out there who on a defensive level or, or, or in any other way on a decision-making level is a triple a ball player. Right. And they're not going to have that now. Um, essentially these, these are all guys who are still figuring it out. Right. In Rymal Tapia still figuring it out. And, and I readily admit that even as a guy who very much believes that he will Garrett Hampson, Sam Hilliard, Connor, Joe, all guys who are still figuring it out. Randall Gritchick, played 883 games at the major leagues 3,252 plate appearances he's been slightly above league average with 102 wrc plus in his bat and he's been above league average most years on defense is it the most exciting thing in the world no but he absolutely raises the floor of what your team should be doing on a day in and day out basis making fewer mistakes and hitting a lot more home runs uh, one last thing that 
uh, I wanted to note on that. Well, and yeah, and so the other thing about him being a streaky hitter, if that pans out, is that, and combined with him uh, potentially being this good team player, like someone who's, who's willing to do what it takes, maybe he can sit on the bench if he's going through a slump or whatever, is that it will still open up the door for the Hampsons and the Hilliards and the Connor Joes. And so you're going to need those guys, Scott Shedler maybe, who knows, if you need a lefty. So... It's all going to be fascinating other than the lefty thing, though. I really do think that this move, you've got to call it a win. You certainly can't call it a bad one. The final thing that I wanted to say is I think you've also got to go back or you don't have to go backwards in time and give credit to Bill Schmidt, but you got to give him credit now because, you know, and I remember catching a ton of flack for this a year ago at the trade deadline. They didn't trade Trevor Story. Bill Schmidt had a press conference over Zoom with all of us, and he explained himself. And I thought he explained himself, and not just on the Trevor Story thing, but on the direction of the team, on his philosophy, on what was going on with John Gray. I thought he answered every question with details and earnestness. And I I, I took a whole lot of flack, and still am to this day, for basically taking him at his word. For thinking that, you know what, this all makes sense. I may not agree with every step of it, and I didn't necessarily, but I thought, you know, now when people say, hey, what were the Rockies thinking by letting by by not trading Trevor's story? I can say, well, here's what they were thinking, and here's why I think it makes a certain logical sense, even if at the end of the day I would have done something different, right? But one of the things that Bill Schmidt told us during this press conference that I think just got lost in all the anger about Nolan and Trevor and everything else that was going on was that the team had absolutely zero intention of tanking or even rebuilding, that they were not going to try to take a few years off or sell off pieces. As I, we're not sellers. We're not selling things, okay? We are going to try to build a team. And he said to us in that meeting, I'm going to go into this offseason and I'm going to attack free agency and the trade market and I'm going to try to make this team better I'm going to try to build us toward a winner and eventually toward that World Series that's been so elusive, right? A lot of people laughed or thought it was just the thing that you say, and I get it. But when you look at the moves that Bill Schmidt has made, I can really, I've got a bone to pick with one of them, and I still understand it. That's the John Gray thing. You let John Gray go, which... Now there's one spot that's a question mark in the rotation. That fifth spot of Chad Cool, Ty Block, Peter Lambert, and Ryan Rollison all just kind of peter out. And you had this guy who dominates at Coors Field and has been very solid for you for a long time. That you was a homegrown guy who wanted to be here and you let him walk. I think that's going to look really bad. But I also understand saying, hey, $12 million for John Gray who was like a 103 ERA plus guy last year, if Chad Cool can give us 95, which is what his career number is, for a fifth of that cost, I do that. I've got these other guys around as well. And then I've got that money instead to spend on Iglesias and Colome or whatever, however you want to do the math there. The absorbing a little bit of the extra Gritchick contract, what have you. And so even that, while I would have, Definitely, and I said so at the time, and I still believe so. I would have done everything I could to keep John Gray. Every other move that he's done lives up to that statement that he made at the trade deadline last year. A promise to build, a promise to go out into free agency and sign players, a promise to make trades, and a promise to try to raise the floor of this team into one that's got 
that, that's not experimenting with young players that isn't out there saying, hey, well, let's see what this guy and that guy have. And maybe if they develop into big league talents, you know, none of that, none of that anymore. Randall Gritchick, like I just read you the numbers, he's got all those at bats for a reason in St. Louis and Toronto. And those have mostly been competitive teams when he's been on them, right? They, they've had room for him in the lineup and in the outfield for a reason. Same thing with Jose Iglesias, you know, the not superstar players by any means, but they've had these long careers and neither one of them are super old yet. You know, what is, is Gritchick is 30, right? <laughs> Goodness. Considerably younger than me at this point. <laughs> but yeah, I, you know, he, he's, he's absolutely raised the floor of this team. And it's a little bit less exciting than maybe it would have been to see some of these young guys. You know, I would have loved to see Tapia in there every day. Hey, the Blue Jays are going to be incredibly exciting to watch. I'm going to be watching them in the American League all the time. That is definitely my number two team. That's my American League team. They already were last year, and they just got Tapia. So, you know. But I get what Bill Schmidt is doing here. And a big part of it is that it 100% matches up with the vision that he was trying to sell us on a year ago. And I get why no one was listening to it at that time. I, I 100% understand that. But Bill Schmidt, as I've said several times before, can only do what's right in front of him. He can only take care of the problems that are on his desk. And so far, I think he's done a pretty excellent job of that, including not doing what I was trying to do, which was take Ryan Maltapia and what, what's the expression, fit a round peg in a square hole or whatever it is, Right. Like I, I was trying to force a way to get Tapia in there. And instead of doing that, Schmidt just went, who's a player who fits better for our specific roster needs in the position that we have, who helps us hit more home runs. And how do we get value out of this guy who should have value, who can now go and play on a team where he's going to get to play every day instead of having to be a fourth outfielder stuck behind these other guys in Colorado. Right. So we'll find out, obviously, how it all pans out. That's why they play the games. But I think you've got to you've got to say, well, hell, Bill Schmidt said he was going to do a build. He said he was going to go and get guys to make the team better. The lineup went from a team that should that, that had three guys who hit 20 home runs to now one through eight are all capable of hitting 20 home runs. He took a lineup that had or, or, or a roster that had multiple spots where they were going to be have to be manned by a player who has less than 50 games of major league experience or has never been above league average at the major league level. And he got guys who have been at the very least league average and at times better in every spot. He improved the bullpen, the lineup. Maybe the rotation, maybe not. We'll see if the Chad Cool thing works out. The rotation is deeper, not necessarily because of anything he did, unless the Chad Cool thing really does work out, and he's just solid. Beyond that, you know, they're still not world beaters. I'm still not picking this team to win the division anywhere close. I'm still not even sure I've quite got them in the postseason, but I think it's going to be close. Folks, I think when you've got, I mean, if, if Gritchick hits 25 home runs 
and Rodgers hits 25 home runs, and McMahon hits 25 home runs, and Crone, you're with, hits 20, and Bryant hits 35 home runs, and Diaz hits 20, maybe another five from Nunez. There's 25 out of your catcher spot. And your starting pitching is good? Say it with me now. What do you need to be decent? For the bullpen to not be a disaster. So that is still what we're going to talk about on the next episode of the show because it really is going to come down to that bullpen, folks. The rest of this team, they're not good enough they should be able to beat everybody, but they're good enough that they can beat anybody on any given night. If things go their way a little bit, you just can't be blowing games at the end. It's quality lineup. They might go from one of the worst lineups in the National League to right smack dab in the middle of the pack. And that that can do some things for your ball club if the pitching holds up. So keep it here at milehighsports.com. Keep it here on the Mile High Sports Podcast Network. We're going to be talking through it. We're going to be analyzing it, taking a look at all this stuff. It's going to, Man, this is not going to be a boring year for your Rockies. They're a very fascinating squad, and it gets more and more fascinating by the day, and they might not even be done. There might be more moves to come. Bill Schmidt seems to be on the phones pretty regularly these days, so let's see what happens. Make sure you follow me on social media. Uh, make sure you hit me up in the DMs again about that Discord channel if you're interested and otherwise just be absolutely awesome out there like you always are i'll be absolutely drew creaseman in here like i always am and until next time i will see you at the ballpark